Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here tonight, it's Ian. Beagles Mountaineer. And the captain. Remember when that presidential candidate uh, said he was going to, who became president, uh, said he was going to close Guantanamo Bay? (laughs) Remember that? Yeah, he also said uh, that uh, whenever a, a new legislation proposal comes across his desk, that he was going to put it online for everybody to see and before he, he makes his decision on it. I think they do that. No, no, he never did that. Well, maybe he didn't do it, but Congress has an online system. You can go and you can read all the, the stuff. It's really boring, but it's there. Yeah, no, this was uh, the, when it comes across the president's desk specifically. Hmm. I mean, I think that would just be whatever's up on the... Like if he's up for vetoing it or whatever, right? That kind of thing. I'm not sure what you're saying. So yeah, like okay. both the House and the Senate have websites where you can go and you can you can read that stuff if that's what you really want to spend oh, your time they don't on. even read it themselves well so, right yeah. they certainly don't yeah so like why you know does anyone read these things <laughs> do the people who actually write them I, I mean obviously someone is writing this stuff but is some one person writing a thousand page bill there's no way right like it must be done by different lawyers or whatever just throwing it into the same uh document there's so much crap involved in in legislation that i I can't believe people even stand for it like like let's take something like the free trade agreement right that was uh, some years ago you know pushed and pushed in the quote unquote quote unquote right and here's what a free trade agreement should really say you are free to trade with whomever you choose (laughs) as long as it's voluntary yeah that's it that's it. No Should restrictions. Should be like, like one sentence, yeah. less than a page. You could probably fit several different ones of these on a page so you could save space. Yeah. You know, but no, the free trade agreement is like an encyclopedia long or something. I don't know. It's like yeah. insane, man. It is insane. And and you're absolutely right. People don't read this stuff. How could they? How, how could these politicians spend the time to read this? How could the average person spend the time to read this stuff? It's absolutely an impossibility. But yet they say, you must know what the law is. You Ignorance be, is ign- not an excuse. Yeah. The ignorance of the law is not an excuse. And that is a ridiculous concept on its face. But the people in the, in the case of Guantanamo Bay, many of them were never even accused of violating a law. Just somebody said, somebody told the U.S. military they ought to snatch them up. Or the CIA or, or whoever. Or they're like one or two degrees away from like a guy who did a thing, that kind of a thing. And if I recall correctly, some of them were even snatched up by like, you know, the Pakistani government or something oh, like yeah. that and then just handed over. Yeah. If you have a right not to be murdered, mm-hmm. then I have to not murder you. That's okay. how that works. It's an exchange. Now, what I get for that is you not murdering me. Indeed. That's why so I say the rights are rights an agreement. Are your responsibility? Like it's it, it, it's an agreement. It's an exchange. Uh, it's reciprocal. Yes, and it doesn't work unless both parties uh, are on the same page about it. Correct. And we're not on the same page, unfortunately, with these government people who no. do not actually believe in rights. Now they'll no, they do not. They'll give lip service to it. You know, they'll talk. Oh, yeah, helps them get elected. Right, right. They'll talk about gun rights or they'll talk about your right to privacy or whatever, and then they'll completely violate those well, concepts. They know that we love having rights because it's good to have rights. It's nice not being, you know, 
tortured and abducted and having all of your things stolen at whim. Like, that's nice. We like it. It's helpful for human flourishing. So they know that if they tell us, if they promise, we will keep your rights, we will protect your rights, Mm -hmm. that we, if we're stupid enough to believe them... When it has nothing to do with anything they've ever done in their lives, with what they've done with their voting records, with the policies that they've advocated, with any of the things they've actually done, if we're stupid enough to believe them, then we will vote for them. The bothersome part to me is twofold. One, there are far too many people on planet Earth, much less the United States of America, who believe that rights come from government. Mm -hmm. Government is the bestower of rights. This is not true. It's a huge problem. It's a huge mental hurdle to get over when talking to people sanely about what government is and how it functions and that kind of thing. And then uh, the second part of it is, is how many people conflate something that they want with a right. Mm, Like Like, a right to health care. Yes. Sorry, that's not a right. That's that's a a market thing. Right. You need to participate. You want health care. You need to purchase it. Right, that is a market you have activity. No right to my stuff. Correct. Or yeah. in that case, that would be your labor. Right. right? A person so has you as a doctor. Right. You are working, and you should be compensated for that work. Now, that's not to say well, that there or my money to pay a doctor, for that matter. Sure. Right. And, but that's not to say that there shouldn't be options out there for charitable giving of towards, course, yeah. towards healthcare. I think a lot of people misunderstand. They say, "Oh, well, you libertarians, you just don't care about people." You don't want to take care of the sick. You don't want to take care of the uh, the elderly. And that's not true at all. It's not true at all. In fact, uh, libertarians are some of the most charitable people I've ever met. Yeah. And libertarians, voluntarist people, believe in voluntary charity. We believe further yeah. that charity is actually a much more efficient process as far as helping people than some government program. Oh, yeah. Government Absolutely. is not charity. And, and that's another thing that bothers me is that way too many people conflate government with charity. They think that because government is taking money out of their paycheck or whenever they buy something or when they sell something or when they die the inheritance all these taxes that they pay they think that oh that makes me a good person because government is doing all of these things that you know i think might be good to do as a human but they don't actively participate in them themselves i know way too many people who'd never give to charity but think that because they pay taxes they're a fine upstanding citizen let's go to john he's in delaware listening on the radio wdov go ahead john yeah, you guys were um, talking about rights, and if I remember correct, it's been quite some time since civics class, but as far as personal rights go, I think it's like your rights end where my rights begin, mm-hmm. if you understand where I'm coming from on that. Yeah, like I have a right to swing my arm right up until your face, figuratively Absolutely. speaking. You guys remember being taught that way, right, or am I losing it? Uh, yes. Now, when I you say figuratively a lot of speaking, nonsense that they taught us in school. When you say figuratively speaking, yeah, it, 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 it is, is a figure of speech because, because if you are uh, intimidating you yeah. is uh, is an infringement on yeah, your that's right. That's not a right. If you think if I think yeah, you're actually going to hit me, but then. that was the the phrase was that uh, your right to swing your arm ends at my nose. It was the there figure of go. speech that they, that I remember from uh, from high school age and all that. I get your point, but if you're swinging your arm, I'm not going to know where that's going to end. And if you're <laughs> close enough, then there's a right to defend yourself mm-hmm. in that particular case. Yeah, well, you guys, great minds think alike. I'm with you on that one. As soon as I feel the wind, you've assaulted me, sir. But uh, anyway, my point was with the federal government, man, and like the, these people were never meant to, to, to be as powerful as they have gotten. Right. They, they were put in place to maintain the roads and the bridges, to keep the military strong up and running and keep us safe, 
and keep our borders safe and keep us. No, 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 no. That's uh, meant by whom? I'm sorry, but you 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 started out good, but then you went bad. The U.S. military, uh, the army, was never even intended to exist. It was explicitly disallowed by the Constitution of the United States. I mean, there was a navy. I think that they provided. That's right. Yeah, you can go check it out, man. The only the rule was it was not supposed to be a standing army, but they could call one together. If they needed okay. it for a period of, I believe, two one years. Year. I thought it was two. Yeah, I thought but... it was one year. So, hold on. So, so the federal government didn't even have a right to even form a military, let alone do what it's doing today. Correct. Right. So that's why what they... Everything man. These people yeah. are out of control. That's why that what they do is every couple of years they have a Military Authorization Act, which reauthorizes okay. mm-hmm. the military uh-huh. for two more years. <laughs> it's on, like, auto pay. And one thing that I'd like to point out as far as just the general topic of rights. So a lot of this comes down to a a more primal question. Like, are we above the government or is the government above us? Well, there's the theory and then there's the reality. Well, and, and and even in theory, there are a lot of people who really deeply believe that fundamentally governments must and should always be above their people. Yeah, these are the people who treat government as a religion, more so than they treat mm-hmm. their own religions. Government in, is God, in, in my people. opinion. Right, because mm-hmm. yeah. this is the deity that they look up to and they worship, and whatever they say goes regardless of what their religions say. Yeah, mm-hmm. people have no right to own human beings, but governments, they are divine creatures with all the right in the world to Wait own every human being. Aren't governments just people i presume this story is going to give us the background as to why allegedly this man was put in a prison cell for 20 years and likely tortured for a good chunk of that he uh this from the new york times well places and and not the regular low-grade torture we're talking like waterboarding torture oh yeah Uh, this guy has seen seen some some things uh his name is saifula paracha age 75 uh, the headline reads, U.S. Jeez. U.S. releases Guantanamo's oldest prisoner. Wow. So he was the, the eldest of all the prisoners. Uh, he was the 36th, so upon his release, there apparently are only 35 prisoners left mm-hmm. at Guantanamo. But uh, he was accused of being an Al-Qaeda sympathizer, was held for two decades, but never charged with anything, wow. a of crime not. of any kind. That's why they put you in a black site, so they don't have to charge you with anything. Uh, you have sympathies. You're going to prison. Yeah, like, it, and it's it's kind of even worse than that. How I bet dare it is. you imagine that our government might be tyrannical? <laughs> we'll show you <laughs> by being more tyrannical than you yeah. thought we could possibly be. Oh, what's that? You heard we're the great Satan? Well, we're gonna prove it. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if we can live up to that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so the United States has released the U.S. military's oldest prisoner. On the war on terror, seventy-five-year-old businessman who was held for nearly two decades Damn. as a suspected sympathizer of Al Qaeda, but never charged with a crime. He's uh, lucky to be alive at seventy-five years old in a place like that. Yeah, uh, Mr. Paracha, a former legal resident of New York, was once Guantanamo's most unusual and better known quote forever prisoners unquote. Mm. The fact that they have something called forever prisoners mm-hmm. should be disturbing to well anybody really. Military prosecutors never sought to put him on trial, but review panels considered him too dangerous to release until last year. Wow. His transfer in a secret military mission that Pakistani government disclosed on Saturday culminated months after or months of negotiations to arrange his return. The Pentagon declined to comment, of course, 
Biden administration officials have declined to say whether security restrictions were imposed on Mr. Paracha, but the U.S. national security officials have typically sought monitoring of former military prisoners and restrictions on their travel for at least two years. So mm. he might be out of Guantanamo Bay, the prison, but, but he's still on probation. He something. may have an ankle monitor or be wow. you know, subject to some sort of monitoring. Our expert psychologists have determined that for some reason he may have been radicalized. While he was in there? You yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, of, you know, abducting and, and like severely torturing this guy mm. might have radicalized him. He was captured in July 2003 in an FBI sting operation in Thailand. Businessmen posing as Kmart representatives lured him from his home in Pakistan to Bangkok to discuss what turned out to be a bogus merchandising deal. Instead, intelligence agents seized, hooded, and shackled him and flew him to Afghanistan. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine you're like... Yeah. Ah, oh, sweet. I'm getting a merchandising deal, right. maybe through Kmart or something. Yeah. yeah I'm I'm, I'm going to go over to Bangkok and go meet with some people to make this business arrangement and, you know, uh, try and, you know, continue my business, make some money, you know, grow my grow my business, right? Feed my family, all that kind of stuff. And you get hooded and shackled and shipped off to Guantanamo Bay for 20 freaking years. That is years. the worst blue light special I've ever heard of. Uh, Paracha was held at first at U.S. military prison in Bagram, Afghanistan, where he had a heart attack, his lawyer said. Rather than send him to the secret prison network run by the CIA where prisoners were tortured, the Bush administration moved him to Guantanamo in his 14th month oh, of that's U.S. detention. Of them. They were being really compassionate there. Yes, so nice. Yeah. He became an early example of the challenge of holding aging and infirm prisoners at the remote U.S. Navy base, which flies in the military medical specialists from the United States. Wow. Yeah. But they rose to the challenge, and they kept him for 20 more years after that. Uh, Saifullah should never have been in Guantanamo, said Clive Stafford Smith, a human rights lawyer <laughs> who's been visiting him at the prison you know since really 2005. should have been in Guantanamo? No one. Yeah. Ever, under any reasonable circumstance. Except maybe some of these politicians I mean, I and, and their lackeys. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't shed a tear if George Bush and Barack Obama were I know, would. spending time We need there. a trial to explain why we are locking them up forever. We need to explain this is what they did. These are their war crimes. These are the things that must never be repeated. Mm. So let's go to the phone. So we actually have a gentleman on the line, Mike, calling from Maine, who tells me that he's a former Guantanamo uh, person. He's a, an old Marine. Go ahead, Mike. You're listening to WLOB there in the Portland area. Yeah, well, listen, you know, I listen to you guys off and on all the time. Thanks. Uh, Peakless Mountaineer, cat, you know, the captain, everybody else like that. Thanks. I know you're strong libertarians, and uh, I'm on your side on a lot of stuff. Okay. But I got to tell you, I think you just really, I got to tell you something right now. You misunderstand what this is all about. I don't think sometimes you guys realize how dangerous these people are. And I'm going to tell you something right now. To guys like you, to the real libertarians, they're more dangerous to you than anything else. <laughs> what a load. <laughs> Well, no, the danger, Mike, have, from I, to us is from the federal government. They're the ones who well, are putting I, our I, our I, friends I, in prison. And here's what I want to say to you on this, and I'll let you. You you're welcome to respond. But if you want me to believe that these guys are dangerous, why shouldn't they have a trial where that is proven? 
Well, listen. There's a there's a different there's a difference in trials under the United States Constitution and trials under uh, what you would call conspiracy, which is uh, basically, you know, it's just. Let me tell you something. There's an international court apparatus. How about that? That's fun. If you don't want to give, if you don't want to give them like the the rights of an American right. citizen, it's only or for whatever. governments. So there's no, you can't exactly. go to the court. It's under the international code of law. Okay, just uh, you know why? This is why the United Nations is so damn useless. Okay, we'll, we'll agree with you on that. Yeah, I, I, I think we need to get one. rid of the United Nations, no doubt about they're it. But you one. didn't answer my question. Do you remember what the what question you was? What's your, what's your question? Okay. The question was, you said these guys are really dangerous and we don't understand how dangerous they are. So I said, okay, yeah. if they're so dangerous, then why shouldn't they get a trial where it's shown crystal clear with actual evidence of how dangerous they are before they get locked up for uh, the rest of their lives or 20 years or whatever? Well, a lot of them have been tried. Okay. No, a lot of them have not yeah. been tried. I'm asking you about well, the ones that have not ever been tried. I'm just trying to tell you right now. You guys are on the wrong track. Did you You're swear? You didn't answer my here, question man. again, Mike. Did you swear Let an oath to the why. U.S. Constitution when you uh, became a Marine? Yeah. Okay. Sure did, did you actually read it? Yeah, I sure the hell did. Did Let you remember the part else. about right to a trial and to face your accuser and to have yeah. evidence presented yeah. against you? This is part of the propaganda that they've been putting on the news networks for years. Who is the blind shake is this terrible, terrible threat? Is he somebody in Guantanamo Bay? Who's who's the blind sheik? No, actually, he's in a place out there in Colorado. Okay. Okay. Senator Who is he? To never be seen from again. Because you know why? Because he convinced everybody else to become radical. In terrorists, okay? That's what brought you... How many millions of people have died at his hands? Many. That's a lie. There's no one man who's a terrorist that has killed millions of people unless you consider the United States government and the other governments of the world to be terrorists. And that's why I was asking that question, because these little dudes in Guantanamo Bay, if they were actually involved in terrorism, couldn't possibly have killed more than thousands of people. But millions get killed by governments of the world, sir, and you were a part of that, weren't you? Let me ask you a question. Do you think the assassination of Soleimani was a bad thing? Okay, who was that? Is this the Iranian guy? Yeah. You think that was a bad thing? Yeah, I think assassinations tend to be a pretty bad thing, like killing people. When you take out these leaders that need to have their crimes exposed in a trial, you're not helping. Yeah, let yeah. those people deal with their we own problems. We don't need to be meddling truth. in other countries around the You're world. Hope, you know what? You're going to hope to hell someday that guys like us are on the wall to protect your sorry ass because <laughs> you ain't protecting yourself. You know, I took that oath myself once, and you, you, sir, you are the threat to the Constitution. That I swore to defend against. You are the domestic threat to the Constitution that I swore to defend against. That you swore to defend against. You have become the very thing that you swore you would protect me and my loved ones from. 
Yeah, you guys are doing a real crappy job of protecting uh, the people in the United States because what you have done, you in the military have done over decades, is put us in greater danger. The reason why 9-11 happened, for instance, if you actually listen to Osama bin Laden, is because of the U.S. government and the military's meddling in other countries' business. Okay, so you can go back to the founding fathers. Again, this guy claims he read the Constitution, claims that he knows something about it. You go back there and you learn that a lot of those men, they understood that getting involved in entangling alliances around the planet was a really bad plan, that that was going to create enemies, that was going to create blowback. We've heard Ron Paul talk about uh, the idea of blowback. When you you go over and you meddle in somebody else's fight, you're going to create enemies people who are mad at you for that and they want to take revenge we got major pain on the line in michigan go ahead major hey he didn't need soldiers even the easter bunny packs a gun around there but okay. uh, the uh what I, about I the a, middle eastern take... bunny <laughs> he's in guantanamo oh right he's being held mm-hmm. for I, no reason i gotta take a little issue with dave from new mexico i called in last night and we were bantering about politics and i made a wise crack about uh the jackasses breeding i and, remember uh, i i always thought a jackass was just a bastardized name for a mule i know nope. i knew mules couldn't breathe so uh, an, ass, uh, 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 an ass refers to David. either a mule or a donkey or a and a jackass mm-hmm. specifically refers to a male mule or donkey ah uh, okay okay so as you me but donkeys but anyway, can breed will... but mules cannot correct okay most hybrids are uh, are infertile hmm. Being as how he lives in a desert right outside of Burrowville, I will uh, digress knowledge of the jackass lineage to David. All right, Major. Were you calling for any other reason tonight? Yeah, well, you remember that this whole Nancy Pelosi, her old man getting beat up with a hammer and whatnot? That's the thing. I don't know all the details camp. about this. I can't get a coherent story from any direction. No, I've, I've only heard things through the rumor mill, and I have not spent any time looking into it because, really, I just don't care. <laughs> uh, but what is it that is alleged to have occurred? Some guy with a hammer broke into their house, but some people no, are no, saying— No, no, no. Here, slow, slow, okay. slow down. There's yeah. buried <laughs> body cam footage. There was buried body cam footage that was only revealed once, I think, and then it disappeared. He, uh, Peter Pelosi, walked to the door, mm. let the cops in. This guy was standing in the kitchen. He walked back towards his supposed aggressor, mm. and who by that time, I'm, I'm this guy is a uh, he, he lives in a school bus in a driveway in front of a house that's got like black flies, matter flags, and mm. all kinds of weirdness going on. He's a old uh, 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 what is it, nudist hippie and. Okay. He, I, he, he may. I mean, he lives in a school bus. He might very well have psychological issues. So, what was it? Uh, I mean, presume you've watched this well, body camera footage. What? What? What was it that uh, this Paul Pelosi said when the police came inside? When he opens the door for the police? What did uh, he just, say? Just think, one second. Um, actually, some of the best people I've ever known live in school buses. So, anyway, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, what was it that was said, Major? Well, I don't, I did I didn't catch any of the uh, linguistics that went on, but mm-hmm. it looked like he just popped the door and let him in, okay. and then he walked back towards this supposed aggressor. This has all the marks of a cover up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're covering up, but it's not like we're ever going to find that out anyway. 
Probably something to do with uh, sex, it seems like. There's a theory that this guy might have been a prostitute, apparently. But again, I don't know if there's anything to that. That's just one of the rumors that's been floating around. I will say, if I see a man in his boxers in your home, I might start getting suspicious that you might be in bed with him. It's a good chance of it. I mean, I am in my boxers frequently during the summertime, and that doesn't mean that you and I are sleeping together. That's that's true. Yeah. But if you were there also in your boxers and or naked, that could lead some credibility to what if you had a hammer well i don't know what's what you do behind closed doors <laughs> would you happen. hammer in the morning <laughs> would you <laughs> hammer the in the evening? evening all over the house all right what do we uh what else do we need to know about this uh, guantanamo release where a man who's now 75 years old has been there for 20 years is being let out yeah so uh, mr Parancha, uh apparently according to his file and i don't know who or where they got his file, but the article continues in his file. U.S. intelligence agencies said he had helped uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the accused mastermind of the September 11th attacks, facilitate financial transactions and propaganda. But yet they never proved that. Right. Never went to trial. Never showed any evidence. They also said he met with Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan before the attacks as part of a delegation of Pakistani dignitaries. So apparently just so? being a dignitary and like having visited some guy from another country is enough so to what? get you checked in Guantanamo. There's U.S. officials who've met with Osama bin Laden over the years. I specifically, yep. oh no, I'm thinking of uh, Donald, what's his name? The old Rumsfeld. I was thinking of him, but he, I know he met with uh, Saddam, maybe not oh, right. yeah, Osama. Yeah. But there's been plenty of U.S. officials who've met with this person. Because remember, in the early, was it the 80s, he was the big hero against the, the Russians? They make these accusations that he might have had something to do with something or other in terrorism land, but they never proved it and never tried to prove it. No, and in fact, months before he was captured, uh, federal agents took Mr. Pratch's eldest son into custody in New York where he was living. Because remember, this guy had established businesses Mm -hmm. uh, stateside here in the United States. Um, And he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to 30 years in prison for providing material support to terrorism. But that conviction was overturned. Oh, really? In 2018. Then in 2020, Whoa. prosecutors dropped the case against him completely. He was returned to Pakistan after agreeing to relinquish his status as a permanent resident of the United States. Wow. So, yeah. So not only do they have this guy in Guantanamo, they go after his son, right, before he was you know, sent to Guantanamo yeah. anyway, and try him and sentence him to 30 years and then overturn it. But like, oh, okay, well, you can't stay in the States, right? Fine. I'm out, right? Like At that point, if I were him, I'd be happy right? to no longer stay in the States. Uh, so the elder who is fluent in English, uh, the, the 75-year-old mm-hmm. businessman, he lived in Queens in the 1970s, obtained a green card in 1980, operated businesses in both Pakistan and the New York metropolitan areas, including travel agencies, a real estate business, and well, a media production firm. Well, then it shouldn't have firm. been hard to get evidence against him. Right. Uh, in Guantanamo, in Guantanamo, inmates and some guards referred to him as Chacha, which is a term of endearment that means uncle in Urdu. <laughs> uh, when the prison leadership allowed, he would tutor younger prisoners in English and finance. Mm-hmm. At times, he brought cell block complaints to guards. Soon after his transfer to Guantanamo in '04, Mr. Paracha went before a panel of American military officers that approved his status as, quote, an enemy combatant. A form of war prisoner, he denied having ties to Al-Qaeda, described himself as a businessman with a Jewish partner, and challenged the notion that the United States could declare the world as a battlefield against the terrorist group. Let's remind listeners who may just be tuning in that this man was not picked up on the battlefield. 
they're calling him an enemy combatant yeah. that suggests that he's like running around with bombs and grenades and you know shooting people or whatever yep. he was picked up in a business meeting with undercover agents who pretended to be from Kmart, they wanted to cut a deal with him, supposedly. That's how they got him to, I think it was Thailand, yep. to uh, talk to them about some sort of business matter. Yep. Fun fact, there are certain things that if you declare everything is this, then nothing is that. If every day is a holiday, there are no holidays Ever. If everywhere is a battleground, then there's no battleground. There's just a little bit more, but this is, uh, I think this is important stuff. All right. Uh, He goes on to say, and this is in front of the the United States, the panel or whatever Mm -hmm. that he appeared in. He says, quote, is your executive order applicable around the earth? Mm. Everyone knows at some level, whether you want to admit it to yourself, that if you don't pay the gang, if you don't send your check over, your money to uh, the federal government, the state governments, the warlords, they will, send, they will send their troops, the police, the IRS, the FBI, or whoever, they'll send them after you, and they'll get you. If someone jacks your car, they put a gun to your head and say, give me the keys and get out, mm-hmm. that's not their car. Nope. That's your car. They are a thief. It's still your car, even though they might be driving it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just because they're driving it doesn't mean it's their car. And that's the situation of the Earth and the governments. Michael is in Pennsylvania listening to WEEO-FM. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, Yes, sir. This might actually... I know it's going to be interesting to you guys and possibly others. I live with... I call her mom. It's my wife's mother. Mm -hmm. And she came to me. She's in her 70s. And uh, a lot of the family has been dying. Some of the brothers are older. They're in their 80s. So... She says, hey, what is this? What does indentured servitude mean? He bought the piece of land we live on uh, by being somebody else's slave, basically. He sold himself into indentured servitude, which was common many moons ago, and he bought this little piece of land we Who live is this, on. like your great-great-grandfather or her It would be my, it's my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. her dad. Her da- okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is... Yeah. So she had that one and a second one. So he sold himself a second time. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to get you guys' attention. So they have another little piece of land that went to one of the other brothers. Okay. Now, he did his time on his contract for indentured servitude. Right. Because Mm -hmm. she thought she had a deed, but she has indentured servitude. It shows the property layout. It says where it's at and everything. That Now, we still pay uh, tax on it. She is still a slave. She's paying property tax every year on something her father sold himself into slavery for. Right. So Tell me this is not horrible. Technically, Tom Wolfe is a slave owner, and so is Lieutenant Governor uh, John Fetterman. Well, that's true. Everybody in the Pennsylvania government are slave owners yeah. still yeah. because they already paid their debt, and yet they're making them pay it. Now, over I do work the land and over. The farm, but that's to take care of the family. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and it I turns out a little bit of vegetables and eggs because prices are going up and people are suffering. And that the thing is, Michael, not lawyer. only are you correct about this, but the the difference is there's no end to this contract. The mm-hmm. payments that's, go yeah. on forever. Right. Yeah. That's Whereas my argument, so I'm going to call and point that out and try and uh, manipulate the folks on the fact that look, these people here are still slaves. You're okay with that? They sh- she is in her 70s. She should not have to pay property tax. Oh, yeah. yeah. They I have know. done it for almost. What, four generations? Yeah, well, She's 72. She was born in the living room. Where yep. the TV's at? 
Uh, Mom, my mother-in-law was born there. There's people who have lost their property because, you know, they get to the age of retirement and they're collecting Social Security, and the taxes have gone up so much on their property that, they're, she's afraid of. that their retirement doesn't even cover the taxes Her and they lose their land. none because she was a home wife. Her father, um, mm-hmm. Pap, my father-in-law, drove a rig for the local like dairies. He drove a tanker truck, and yeah. she gets his. It wouldn't be enough to pay the property taxes. That's wow. why my wife well, and I... And my youngest That's why you live together. Well, I just heard her father was an indentured servant, but she is a slave. Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. Property taxes, that's kind of an old school method of enslaving people, right? You know, mm-hmm. if, we don't, if you don't do what we say, we're going to beat you. In this case, steal your property, and maybe they'll beat you if you try to stay there. But with money, they figured out a way, with the dollar, with the central bank currency, they figured out a way to tax people without them knowing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's and called I, inflation. I, yes. And, and uh, I mean, a lot of this really just comes down to business, right? They're in the business of violence. Mm. Now, with business, there's your there's how much it costs for you to do business, and there's how much you get from doing business. Now, with, you know, uh, actually having a guy on a horse with a whip. You got to pay that guy. You got to pay that guy. Got to make sure the horse is fed. Right. Like, this is expensive. Mm-hmm. Now, with, with taxation, it's a lot less expensive. But every now and again, you upset people because they don't like it. You can only push it so far. Right. You can only raise taxes so quickly and people get but mad. But your costs are way, way lower by doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, with inflating the currency, man, your your price of doing There's this zero is cost. zero. Yeah. And especially since almost all currency isn't physical. Correct. It's literally zero cost. Yeah, it's some guy at a keyboard going boop, 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 add a zero, yeah. add a one. Here. You know, just that's it. They're just incrementing numbers. But the important part is they claim a monopoly on it. You mm-hmm. must use mm-hmm. this central bank state sponsored currency. Mm-hmm. And if you try to use anything else, we'll chuck you in a jail or, mm-hmm. or we'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's two it's two sides to the same coin. So on the one hand, there's the government currency. We get to print it, no one else gets to print it. On the other hand is the taxation side of it. You have to give us some of this or we will kidnap you. Mm-hmm. And you have to have both of those or else their currency won't be valuable to people. The financial system is purposely designed to be a very confusing mess to the layman. And I am one of those people, right? Me like too. I've never studied yeah. this stuff in in depth. Uh, Peakless, however, has. I'm done no a lot member of, of the financial clergy myself, but you do seem to know a lot about it. You've been doing a lot of stuff. Well, it's that he has the ability to sort of translate uh, economic ease, yes, yes, into layman terms, which 
once you figure that out, then it's a lot easier for mm-hmm. you to understand the economic system. Right. Yeah, honestly, one of the biggest barriers for all of this stuff is it is mind bendingly corrupt. Mm-hmm. And like the first thing you have to do is get over that they are not doing anything good. Like it right. is pure evil from top to bottom, and it's and you can't just believe a of, word they say either. Yeah, so so you've got to like the, the first step is to like get over that because once you do, it's a lot easier to go. Oh, this is a method of theft. Mm-hmm. It's all a method of theft, and so here's like the big picture on this system. So part one, hand out a bunch of credit. Make sure there's all this money running around everywhere. Everyone's in Which debt, they but can it's print for, from right, thin air. Right. So you make credit easy. Make sure people are all like times are good, roaring twenties. Mm-hmm. Everyone's rich. We got stuff. Part two. So that, if you will, is cast the line out there. You know, like fishing, mm-hmm. and then they bite. And when they do, you reel them on in. And this, we are entering into part two of the scam. Part two, then you shut off the money. Mm-hmm. Now hold on, everybody's hold on. already in. Everybody's Wait. already in debt. Let me hmm? see if I can follow you here. So the Federal Reserve was created in 1913. Are mm-hmm. you saying part one took more than a hundred years to? Oh no, no, complete? no! This is a cycle. This is a okay. cycle. Okay. Uh, I'm saying that that's like the, the, the most obvious version of this was, okay, passes in 1913, 1920s, roaring 20s, everybody's rich, there are stock tickers in hair salons mm-hmm. because everybody's borrowing money to buy stock, stock's going up, everyone's getting rich. You can't lose. You can't lose. Just keep it in the market. It always goes up. Mm. So everyone's borrowed all this money up to their earlobes to get all that extra stock. Everyone's making money hand over fist. Mm -hmm. And then you shut off the money supply. (laughs) Everybody's already in debt. Mm -hmm. Everyone owes all this money. And the only way they were getting all this money to pay all this debt is the free money supply. The spigot for money was on. Then you shut it off. Okay, now... Everybody has bills they can't pay. I think it was like 1933. Uh, all of a sudden, gold's illegal. Oh, yeah, that's right. Possession of gold, gold. Yep. is illegal. Now, it, and I mean, there wasn't, some, there wasn't all that much actual confiscation of the mm-hmm. gold, but that doesn't matter because it's illegal to possess, which means you cannot openly trade it. You can't right. use it as currency. So you can't just go to the grocery store, get some food, and give them some gold. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was mostly silver for small purchases. Yeah. But, yeah, you can't sell or buy a house and give or take some gold for it. You can only use their money. Was silver affected there, too, or was it only gold? Was mm-hmm. only gold prohibited, or was, were well, other so precious that was, metals? Well, so that was the thing. Like, uh, it, Gold was what backed the silver. Mm-hmm. Is basically how it worked. So, like, Hmm. dollars were backed by silver, and silver was backed by gold. That was how the system worked. Hmm. But you cut one part of that system out, and it all falls apart. Now everyone's stuck using dollars. And then they took away the backing from the dollars. Right. But don't worry. Those dollars are still valuable. We'll still give you this much for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a market rate by any stretch of the imagination, but you still got something for them. Until you don't. 
You and, mean you mean as far as the uh, exchanging them for silver? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and which you can't the, do now at all. Right. And yeah. here's the thing: this this fake, this scam, this beautiful scam that they put over on the citizens of America caught on everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. The central bank. Yeah, and like World War One, World War Two could not have happened without this government printed money. It's just Correct. impossible. You cannot put human effort into the destruction of human life on that scale without this technology. But now, wait a minute. Didn't they have to sell war bonds back then? Still, didn't they still have to, per, you know, persuade people to some extent there, to back these wars? There is a there, there is a certain amount of finagling that you have to do to to kind of keep up the scam. Uh, like today, uh, the way this whole thing works is that uh, people. Well, countries mostly, but uh, people, uh, companies, they buy treasuries. Mm-hmm. Now, a treasury is a promise to pay dollars plus a percentage in the future. But it's the government that promises to pay it. And what? The government's going to not pay you dollars? They can print them. Of right. course they can right. pay you dollars. So, uh, mind you, the inflation's bigger than that, so you've got to make sure that it's not just that. But, you know, it kind of backstops your risk a bit. But here's the thing. If we lose faith in treasuries, they lose the ability to print money. But doesn't matter because they're not competing against real money anywhere until now. And that's why this system is breaking right now. Okay, hold on. So you say if people lose faith in treasuries, meaning that if people don't believe that the treasuries are going to be a good investment in the future. Right. Uh, they won't buy them. Right. Why would that stop them from printing money? Because of what happened. Oh, uh, why would that stop them from printing money? Yeah. It's how it works. Like, uh, they, they designed this. It's, you know, their own paperwork system, right? Mm-hmm. It's a feedback loop. So they, they print the... It's So every time that you have a loan, there's two sides to it, right? There's the, the, uh, the half that you get to spend mm-hmm. out there in the market, and then there's the half that I hold on to as a liability, now, I can take that liability and sell it somewhere, and that's why my liability was worth having, is because it's valuable. Greg, calling us from New York. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, I sometimes call in to talk about Russia and Ukraine. Today, I wanted to talk about Twitter. Um, okay, sure. Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk uh, took over Twitter. He owns Twitter. So we have an interesting situation now where the world, some of the world's top um, public forums, largest ones, uh, are owned by Zuck and Elon, mm-hmm. four letters. And uh, what owned means that they can control everything about it. Uh, Zuckerberg maneuvered himself into a position where he can't be voted out by shareholders at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elon, you know, fired the entire board. So basically, um, they're privately controlled. And and this is where I think uh, my brand of libertarianism differs from the idea that you can privately own as much as you want with no limit, is that to me, online, on the in- online cyberspace, these look very much like states. They look like where people want to hang out. They give you all the nice amenities, and it's very hard to start something outside of them. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Yeah, but the difference is Elon Musk doesn't have a gun to your head. I mean, if you want to give him eight dollars a month or five dollars a month or whatever to pay for the service, mm. that is up to you. Well, hold on now. Uh, if you copy enough of his stuff, he will put you in jail. You will rely on the government copyright? to do it. But okay, yeah, well, exactly. that's that's a different story. But I'm talking about you don't you don't have to use Twitter, 
right? Like you, you're not obligated to that. Right. You are not obligated to pay for a Twitter account. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, Greg, in that this person has a lot of influence and he certainly has a very popular platform, although uh, news reports are saying a, a million people have left already uh, within the last month. A bunch of advertisers have, have pulled out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you have to occupy space. That's not optional. And that is the source of their authority, according to them. But there are other options, and uh, Mastodon, of course, has become very popular uh, across the world. There are thousands of Mastodon platforms out there. I understand the liberals have gone to one particular platform, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of it, uh, but there's a bunch of, there's like a really hardcore socialist uh, platform out there. Mastodon's actually made by socialists, but right-wing platforms like Trump Social are using it. So it's an open source platform. thing that people have created that become quite popular and i don't know how many users trump social has but it's got a few million i didn't know that that was on mastodon yeah it's mastodon they they kind of rebranded it like it's not in your face as mastodon but it's it's using mastodon to address to address greg though like i i kind of feel like uh, musk taking over twitter uh, as far as the social media platform goes is kind of uh, my analogy is it's a benevolent dictatorship at this point Mm -hmm. well yeah i mean like plato huh the philosopher king. Listen, uh, I, <laughs> Not Plato the say. clay. <laughs> to your point about the similarity between uh, a state and uh, a platform, I think that in the future this is the model by which states will be done. They will be decentralized and not uh, geographically oriented. Right. And and I think yeah. that they'll they will have a tremendous advantage. Those those states or state like entities which which perform their tasks in a decentralized manner will have an enormous advantage over the uh, classical state technology because they have already infiltrated you. Well, let's let's reverse uh, course here for a moment and kind of look at what Elon Musk actually did purchase. He bought a company that was hemorrhaging cash like you would not believe. He uh, he posted today on his Twitter account that the reason one of the reasons they had to fire a bunch of people, and by the way, they fired about 50 percent of the Twitter workforce at the end of the week. And the reason why is because the company is losing $4 million a day. Damn. A day. Well, so he took on a mess of a company that honestly shouldn't that's exist. Standard. That's standard for media. Like, when you buy a newspaper, you don't expect it to make money. They almost never do. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? If oh, you're yeah, not making classic. money as a newspaper, oh, yeah. you're oh, going yeah. out of business. Classically, no, no, absolutely not. No. Uh throughout time in different kinds of technology like media is purchased by those who are powerful to propagate their ideas that's exactly. how it always it works they never make money they they exist for a completely different purpose i so there's a, i, I want to give two examples of that jeff bezos you know bought the washington post i believe yeah and an, another example is very interesting pierre omidyar who uh started ebay then bought paypal you know mm-hmm. so on he's a billionaire uh he bought the intercept uh, which is Glenn Greenwald's uh, outfit, founded by Glenn Greenwald. Is that uh, it? Was it after he bought the Intercept that Glenn, uh, Glenn Greenwald left out of frustration? I believe so. Yeah. And, and so my point is that once again, uh, if this was the real world, if you translate this to the real world, there's an unelected dictator or king uh, in charge of a country that is now being, uh, say, sanctioned or isolated by all these advertisers. Okay, if you put, want to make that analogy, and but the point is that. Whoever lives in that little kingdom or huge kingdom 
is kind of at the mercy of this uh, dictator. So I don't know whether that's a good model for anybody who wants to keep using the infrastructure that they've been using, including Twitter is the place where politicians around the world tweet. So they could pull out a lot of pressure on Elon. Like China could say, well, your gigafactories in China, it would be a shame if something happened to them. <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a lateral yeah. move to me. I mean, uh, so in terms of a state, you're just moving from an oligarchy to a monarchy. Okay, so how do the interest rates come into play here, uh, Piklos? Because now you've got the Federal Reserve approving a fourth straight rate hike of three quarters of a percentage point. So they did four of these in a row, not quite every month, but like, yeah, roughly every month and a half. We're all four of them the same three quarters? 0.75. Yeah, exactly. And they're calling this uh, a very... um, So the the first one was, uh, was just a quarter point, I think. Uh, I think it was a quarter point, then, yeah, it was a quarter point, then a half point, then it's been three quarters ever since. And I was thinking that they were going to do a half point this time just to throw the Democratic Party a bone to be like, see, we're not in a recession, we're doing fine, you know, just for the next week. Um, But (laughs) turns out, no, they are not helping out the Democratic Party, which blew my mind. Um, so uh, just a, a quick explanation on, on what this thing is. Okay. So what this all is about is the price of money. So uh, if I want a thing, I, I would rather have it now. Pretty obvious. Now, if I can't afford that thing right now, but I want it right now, I can make a deal where like, hey, you let me have that thing right now and I will make it worth your while. I will pay you more than that thing is worth right now. Now, that's what should be happening. And this should be this completely decentralized process called the market. Right. That's what should be determining what the cost of money is. And how that really works is, well, if my bank has a lot of money, then I don't have to charge you that much to borrow some of it. But if my bank only has a little bit of money, I got to charge you a lot of money to to borrow it because I I got to be sure that you're going to get it back and I got to be sure that I'm making the most that I can. That would be true in a world in which banks couldn't just print money out of thin air, which right. is what they're authorized to do under the Federal Reserve system. Right. Well, and even with the 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 money printing, like you could still have a a, a you could still let the banks go, okay, even though there's a constantly changing supply of money, well, we can still gauge this and gauge that and go, okay, uh, here's how much we should be charging for the money that we have. But that's not the way we do it. Instead, we have the Fed. And the Fed says, here is the base rate. Everything is going to be calculated off of this number. And for a long time, that number was 0 to 0.25%. It is now 375 to 4%, mm-hmm. apparently. And the original plan is to keep hiking it till it's around 5%. And that means all loans that banks issue must be higher than that. Right. Everything has to be higher than that rate. And depending on how many steps it goes through is how much higher that's going to be. So as they are raising these interest rates... As prices of loans go up, what you're going to see happen, as I understand it, fewer people are going to buy a house. Right. Right. Fewer people are going to take out a loan to, say, start a business Mm -hmm. as well. And so that's why the mainstream media will say things like they say in this article, 
there's a chance it could trigger a recession. <laughs> yeah, because we're not in any kind of economic slowdown whatsoever. Mm-hmm. In spite of the fact that this is what has always been the definition was, oh, a quarter of 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 down GDP, right? Down GDP. Oh, another quarter of down GDP. That was a recession. That was yeah. what the old definition was, and they don't they don't even have a new definition. They've just been denying that that's when the definition. When our experts tell you there yeah. is a recession, <laughs> that is when right. there is a recession. We'll know it when we see it. Is what they're basically saying now. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing it. They're mm-hmm. just not talking about it. Well, and that is basically the plan cuz Okay, you printed, uh, I mean, estimates vary, but let's call it 40% of the dollars in existence. So, I, I mean, it's... It, in the last yeah five years? Yeah, like in yeah 2020 and 2021. Yeah. So, in order to... Guess what? That means the prices go up. And that's what they call inflation these days, is price inflation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to bring that down, so they're making sure that there's less money running around all the time. But... You have to slow down the economy in order to accomplish that. So they're trying to walk that fine line where they don't slow the economy down too much. I asked Carlin Borshenko to join us here tonight. She is the Libertarian Party nominee, the official nominee, because there's actually going to be two libertarians on the ballot here in New Hampshire. We'll talk about that. Uh, But she's the official party nominee here for governor in New Hampshire. We're coming up to the election. We're just days away from it. And I realized we hadn't had you on yet, Carlin. We are doing it. You know, it's a national show. uh, But I wanted to, to bring you in here to just kind of talk generally about, well, who you are, because you know, you've got yourself a, a YouTube channel and things like that, and you, you're relatively new to the Libertarian Party, so maybe you could tell us or tell our listeners how you became a Libertarian. What's your story? Yeah, guys, and uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. Well, I became a Libertarian in a little bit of a, a haphazard way, to be honest. I was a Democrat for 20 years, all the way up to February of 2020, the day before the primary in New Hampshire, the presidential primary in 2020. And I ended up uh, red pilling and kind of waking up to how much I had been lied to by the media and everyone I had trusted my entire life and went on this journey where I was challenging myself to listen to voices I thought I would disagree with and really found out how much the media had lied to me and um, ended up leaving the Democratic Party and kind of connected with Trump supporters for a little while, mostly because I was just really angry at the Democrats and I thought they were my only viable option. Um, I did not like the Libertarian Party in 2020, mostly because of their presidential nominee, Joe Jorgensen. Um, As soon as she tweeted Black Lives Matter, it was off the table for me to even consider the Libertarian Party. And then I was approached by the Mises Caucus uh, in February of 2021, a year later, and I really found out that the the Libertarian Party wasn't entirely woke, and I had thought that they were up until that point. And I started connecting with Libertarians in New Hampshire, not only in the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, but also in the Free State Project. And it just opened up a whole new world to me that I hadn't really considered before. And I really feel like I found my place there. Um, My number one issue is really around education and the schools and making sure we're separating government from education. And I, the Libertarian Party is the only party that I see really speaking to that issue and going to the level that I think it needs to go to. School choice is fine with the Republican Party. I think it's a step forward. I won't dismiss it. But really, for me, I think we need to end government schooling entirely. 
we never had as many people leave public government schooling as we did during the COVID regime. And that was because the parents could look over their kids' shoulders as they were taking classes on Zoom and see exactly what the teachers For were the teaching. For the first time yeah. ever, yeah. Yeah. It, right? Mm-hmm. It blows my mind that it is controversial to suggest that parents know what their children are learning. Mm-hmm. That's controversial. Yeah. <sighs> well. Well, absolutely. And our own governor in New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, threatened to veto the parental rights and education bill in the state legislature this past year, which basically made the bill dead in the water. The the, the Liberty Republicans in uh, the House of Representatives wanted to introduce this bill that would give parents full transparency into what was going on in their kids' classes. And our rhino governor said he was going to veto it. And so it, it, both major parties are failing on this issue. And I really think if we had cameras in classrooms, and by the way, kids are filmed every day, every part of their life. They're filmed in daycare. They're filmed on the school bus. They're filmed in school hallways. Yep. They're filmed at school school events. And so I understand why people might be apprehensive about uh, increasing the surveillance state. And I'm not uh, unsympathetic to that argument. But the fact is that this is the one place, the classroom is the one place where we could get so much value and really change culture around public schooling. And I think it's a sacrifice that we should be willing to make because the reward on the other side is we turn parents against the public schools and we end government Mm. education permanently. And the state is what deserves to be surveilled. Mm, Once upon a time, we had this concept that was important to people about government transparency. You get to know what they are up to. Oh, but the teachers have a right to privacy, and oh, what about the children? Not as public servants, they don't. Isn't the proposal from you, Carlin, that the camera focus toward the front of the room where it would show what the teacher is teaching? It's not The point isn't to get the kids on camera, right? Right. That that's exactly right. It is to focus one hundred percent entirely on the teacher. Now, might a student be filmed in the course of that? Yeah, probably. But again, this is a matter of we have to have a set of priorities that say either we are completely in favor and are willing to do whatever it takes to eliminate government education, or we are not. The situation that we are in with government education is that the public schools are completely corrupted from the ground up, and it starts with how the teachers are being educated. It starts with the colleges of education. And it starts with the school boards or excuse me, not the school boards, the uh, the state departments of education Mm -hmm. that are instilling the teacher licensure standards. And so this is not a problem that we are going to be able to fix in our lifetime unless we start to take drastic steps forward. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon, so please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live. 